Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sam Blackwell, and Sierra is once again on leave this week. And so I will be taking us again down memory lane and revisiting some of my favorite letters and the responses that Sierra and I gave. But before we begin, uh, I just want to give you the Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health providers. We are just making it up as we go along. Um, And so please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, everyone. I'm super excited to uh, revisit again some of my favorite letters from some of my favorite episodes. Um, It's been a treat, honestly, to go back through so many of our letters and... um, and so many of our episodes, honestly, and and listen to all of the advice that we've given um, and just also listen to Sierra and I grow as hosts, um, listen to some of the advice that we gave um, when we were <laughs> younger than we currently are. Um, and so this has been a lot of fun for me. So I hope that it's a lot of fun for you as well. So the first letter I want to revisit is from episode 85, You're Doing This For You. Um, And this letter comes from Disappointed and Disgusted. Um, And, you know, there have been a lot of conversations recently in my life um, about respect, um, about me showing respect, about me feeling disrespected by people. Um, And I I just think it's such a, a unique feeling to feel like you're being disrespected. Um, And it, I think it's honestly, for me, like one of the most triggering experiences, right? Like, I think, um, I think that there are a lot of places where I've been able to, to be able to stop and respond when maybe I want to react. But um, when it comes to being disrespected, there's really just something that is so hard about that, um, that makes me want to like lash out and makes me want to like be vindictive or like, write a letter to the editor or something, or like tell everyone about how this person in my life disrespected me. Um, And so going back to this letter, um, which, you know, was almost a year ago, more than a year ago, maybe, um, and sort of hearing some of the things that Sierra and I talked about in terms of of what it feels like to be disrespected and how we can can be more healthy and and how we respond to that um, was really enlightening for me. Um, And so I'm excited to share this one with you. I hope that you all enjoy it as well. Also, what I love about this letter is that it's like a very dramatic situation and it introduced the phrase trash goblin, um, which is something that I had totally forgotten about, but will definitely be incorporating into my vocabulary once again. So this is from episode 85. You're doing this for you um, from Disappointed and Disgusted. The next letter is from Disappointed and Disgusted. Mm. I'll call them D and D. D. Who is writing to us from the void. I am a 30-ish year old bisexual woman in a happy relationship with my husband, married almost three years now. This isn't about him. Oh, great. <laughs> But she went on to write, much as I could go on about how I hate people delegitimizing my queerness because I'm a cis woman in a relationship with a cis man, but that is another letter for another day. 
This is about a pal of mine who I've known for many years now. A couple of years ago, she was in a tough spot. She had recently lost her job and had to move back with, in with her parents who treated her terribly. I managed to get her a job with my company and my husband and I let, let her and her dog live in our house, which we had just purchased for next to nothing so that she would have the ability to get back on her feet. The room she used was fully furnished, so she wouldn't have to pay for anything new. When I say she was down and out at the time, I'm not exaggerating. She literally drove to where we are now, uh, several states away, with nothing beyond what could fit in her car. Over a year and a half that she lived with us, I increasingly felt like she took us for granted. She almost never socialized with us and regularly blew us off so that she could sit in her room and play video games instead. It wasn't like we were asking her to chill every night or every week either. It was maybe once every few weeks. And after she made it clear she wanted nothing to do with us, we basically stopped asking. She had us take care of her dog on nights that she was playing booty call with her boss, which is something that I kept my mouth shut at work about, even though I was under no obligation to cover for them. She also had a far different standard of cleanliness than I did. I regularly had to ask her to not leave fast food trash out in her room because we live next to the woods and had to deal with pests and I didn't want that problem to be any worse than it needed to be. She moved out and we figured that the room would need to be cleaned, but it was far worse than we ever expected. Beyond the thick layer of dog hair caked into the carpet that took an entire afternoon's worth of vacuuming and then another day's worth of a deep steam cleaning to get rid of, her messy habits caused a full-blown roach infestation that occurred in that room. We had to completely take apart the furniture in order to get rid of all of them. There were nearly 200 roaches. I lost count eventually that we had to kill and clean out of the room. I was so disgusted by the state of the room and by the state of my furniture that it triggered a full-blown anxiety attack. I literally couldn't sleep for four days because I all I could think about were the roaches in our house. We trusted her to be an adult and to treat our home with some degree of respect. And it made me sick to my stomach to think about the condition she was apparently okay living in. It felt like a betrayal. We never asked much of her beyond paying the rent and utilities on time and keeping the room clean. We paid exterminators hundreds of dollars to come lay traps and whatnot around the house. And because she never let us know that she had seen roaches in her room or perhaps it was just too messy and she never noticed, we may have... Uh, as well have flushed that money down the toilet. I found out soon after she that, that she had been in the habit of shit-talking me, my husband, and even my parents, who she met a total of three whole times, to our coworkers. I had been nothing but kind and generous to her. I got her a job, put a roof over her head, and made sure she had the resources available to get back on her feet financially and start rebuilding her life. And she re- she repays me by living like an absolute trash goblin and not taking responsibility for any of it. Beyond the minuscule amount of rent that I would charge her, I got no benefit from doing any of this beyond knowing that I was helping a friend out. I would have completely nuked the relationship, but it's hard to do that when you live in the same building. Plus, the amount of mutual friends we would uh, we have would make it difficult to just drop the rope. I have been tempted to publicly call out how disrespectfully she treated our home and expose the kind of bridge troll she apparently is. Bridge troll. <laughs> <laughs> between trash goblins and bridge tolls it's like a gross D&D. fairy tale <laughs> oh yeah a lot of anger in this episode yeah i know it's like we should just call this one the anger episode uh-huh. 
Um, but I'm not sure that's the healthiest thing to do. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) We still interact on a friendly basis and exchange some office gossip. But at the same time, I feel so let down and disgusted with how things played out. Every interaction with her feels like I'm wearing a happy face mask and hiding how I really feel about her after having lived with her. Are my feelings about how this played out okay to have? What should I do, if anything, when it comes to having to see this person still who so clearly took my kindness for granted? Mm. All right. Thanks for writing, D&D. This is dramatic. <laughs> it is. Well, yes. I mean, dramatic in like that it's salacious and for sure. Um, it's like uh, the show Hoarders. It's like that mm-hmm. feeling of watching that type of quote unquote drama, a.k.a. mental health yeah mental illness playing out yeah, in a exactly. very external way yeah, yeah 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 um but we culturally kind of like enjoy that expose mm-hmm. um and yeah so D D, um i'm sorry this happened to you you were being a very kind and generous friend but i actually love this letter in play next to the first one mm-hmm. um because of what sam said about reflecting about our bound like our boundaries Mm -hmm. did you deserve this no did your husband deserve this no did your house deserve this absolutely not um but i think it's going to be very obvious to you right now listening through this episode to this point that this friendship that you have with this person moving forward is um unnecessary and it's weighing on you because of the resentment you feel built up right um because of boundaries that you allowed to be overstepped Mm -hmm. since living with this person. And I'm not even talking about the roaches or the, the quality uh, of her cleanliness. I'm saying, um, you, you don't have to play nice. Right. Do we have to be cordial humans? Sure. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like you've overstepped your boundaries a lot, even post cleaning of the room. For sure. I mean, I think that's, that's absolutely legit. And like, Um, I think this is a perfect, this is a really good example of like, um, some of the ways in which we might be harboring some, some guilt that we're trying not to acknowledge about Mm -hmm. this. Right. Because like who among us would be able to kick someone out of our house who it like has no rent, like doesn't have rent. And like you (laughs) tried to extend a nice thing to like, that would be a really, really hard boundary to establish. Right. Right. And so I don't want you to feel guilty about that because like we would all be in that situation too. But yeah. you can also say like, wow, if I could do this again, I would not have let that person into right. my house. Right. It makes me think, honestly, it makes me think about um, how we can love people with mental illness. Mm. And um, again, it's really interesting. My first instinct always is like, open your heart, be compassionate to their illness. Yes, obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I have had many long conversations with my loved ones about the challenges that that you know of well, Mm -hmm. of caretaking for someone with mental illness and how to maintain boundaries and have compassion. How do you have compassion for somebody and also hold them to the standard to which they should treat you, right? Yep. Um, It's hard because... There are some people in my lives that I feel like I can't hold accountable yep. because they're too, I'm going to use the word fragile, understanding that like people with mental illness aren't fragile. Blah, 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 blah. That's just like a, a, an adjective mm-hmm. to describe that I'm, I'm afraid that I can't hold my, uh, 
these these people accountable because it'll trigger trigger mm-hmm. shame or an episode or a breakdown or something like that. Yep. Um, and in this case, it's it it's obviously that it's obvious to me that this person has some things going on, um, and maybe doesn't have a full. It it kind of is beyond like a different level of cleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. To you, yeah. Um, but so how do you how do you? It's just a complicated situation because how do you navigate it? Like you can't like tell everyone it works. That's hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. There's there's no justice here. Yeah, and I think that's what again looking for that that external justice, right? Like the, that impulse to post this on social media and proclaim to the world how nasty this person is, right? Is to get other people to see how badly you were wronged and how hard you, how much head and hard work you've been doing, absolutely, and how much money you put into the house and for physically, sure. like, right. like look at what of everything I've done mm-hmm. and had had to put up with, right? Which is just, um, or not just, excuse me. It's justifiable that you want to feel affirmed mm-hmm. because you were taken advantage of. Absolutely. So, of course, in that situation where we're like, wow, things went poorly to me. I was victimized in one way or another. Mm-hmm. I need. I want to be affirmed in that victimization. Right. But... But I think that there... I think that there are probably ways that you could do that or you could speak your truth uh, in a way that might be healthier for you. Healthier like, and, um, sustainable. Yeah. And would actually, would actually maybe heal some of the, the wounds that you right. are, that you're currently dealing with. And so I don't think like posting this on Facebook or like telling your boss about their, their secret affair is yeah. actually going to be really helpful. Like it will certainly hurt her in a way that you feel you have been hurt. Right. Right. But that doesn't really bring us peace. That what just like you, continues to hurt people. What would, what's the first thing you would do? So I would say, if you are feeling really strongly about this, could you write to this person a letter, right? That says, that is not accusatory or blamey, right? But just to express the ways in which you are hurt by the the actions of this person. Yeah. And write that letter out, see how it feels, and then maybe don't even send it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like, just give yourself the gift of like processing through this and saying like, I was a victim in this. Like I have the right to be hurt and and angry by the actions of this person, mm-hmm. even though they were dealing with mental health health issues, mm-hmm. even though they didn't like do anything like <laughs> to hurt you physically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to say like, yeah, the, these are all of the reasons why I'm feeling hurt and it's totally justified for me to feel that. And I would like you to know, mm-hmm. right? Because not because I need you to do anything, but no, because I want you to know me. I'm not expecting any apology, right? But I need, I need to know. In order for me to move on. Right. I need you to know how all of these things have hurt me. Yeah. And that's it. Like, and that has to be the end of the conversation because after that, then it becomes externally motivated again, then you're seeking some sort of retribution or some sort of recompense for it when you're not going to, you're not going to get that because this person is incapable of giving you the things that you want them to give you. How do you navigate? I've only had to experience this a couple of times in my life because I've predominantly been Mm self-employed. How do you navigate having to return to share spaces with someone that you want to put up stricter boundaries about? Mm -hmm. Because I'm guessing that D and D, if if D and D didn't work with this person, they would choose to never speak to them again, right? Or they would be a lot harsher and vo- vocal because there'd be less like forced um, content or er, sure. con- contact. Excuse me. Yep. 
Well, and you can do, I mean, that's why I was thinking the letter might be helpful because you can be like, I will continue to work with you and we'll keep this secret and mm. out of respect for you and your boss and because mm. it's not my business and and all of that stuff and then say, but, and I will continue to be cordial to you when we're in the workplace, but beyond that, I don't, I would not want you to be part of my life anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, because the unfortunate thing is that like when we work with people, we have to work with them. Like you have the option to find a new job, right? You have the option to leave wherever you're working. Um, but that takes time and that's uncomfortable and all of those things. So weighing the pros and cons of like, what does it mean to have to see this person every day versus what does it mean to find a new job? Um, but yeah, I think that's just the unfortunate reality of like professional workplaces is that you just have to go in and leave your personal stuff at the door because our that's, Places that we work don't want us to actually show up as our authentic yeah, selves, yeah, yeah. right? Which is another episode. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, yeah, and I, I'm glad you said the letter thing because it gives an action point. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk, I'm going to cl- close on just the act of being disrespected. Yeah. Um, because it's hard. It the, is. The, you know, it's hard. But before I do that, I do want to, I feel like I, I want to say something about cleanliness and about it's not like a don't yuck someone's yum. Um, it's just remembering that like everyone has different lived experiences with their body, their their um, living space, mm-hmm. their um, personal belongings, and a lot of times our mental health is manifested in those practices. Absolutely. Um, or or just our upbringing, like. Um, you know, how, how everybody sees the world and, and interacts with the world through a different level of understanding, different lenses. Absolutely. Um, I don't think, I, I think it's hard to navigate when we, when we respond to things that are grossing us out Mm -hmm. because of our personal understanding. Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anyone out there that's like, yes, I want to sleep with 200 cockroaches. (laughs) I don't think that, but I, I think I just want to respond a little bit to the gross factor in this. Yep. And to humble ourselves, put our empathy hats on and remember that like everybody has a different capacity for things and and things like that. That all being said, as adults, we have a responsibility to be uh, kind and considerate, respectful of other people. Like this, Mm -hmm. this person did the wrong thing here. Right. You know, it doesn't matter the manifest, the the source of it or the Mm -hmm. manifestation of it. They disrespected your property. They disrespected you and your husband and your family. Mm-hmm. And um, they disrespected the generosity of the opportunity to live with you. For sure. Period. And as adults, we have, no matter what our personal preference is, when we are sharing space, we mm-hmm. have to respect one another's needs. For sure. And I think, um, And I think that's why in the letter I was hoping to convey that it should be about how you are feeling yes, because of this, right? Absolutely. Because the second that we start shaming people or or like calling them trash goblins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which is, is like comical no, and yes. funny and, and don't get me wrong, like this would make me angry. My anger would come out oh, and sure. my I would be grossed out. I would feel like everything you described, I would experience. For sure. So, so I'm not I'm I you didn't do anything wrong. I just Mm-mm. want to make sure that like my empathy hat is fully on yep. and remembering that like everybody has different preferences. Like Sam showers every day and I don't. That's right. Period. That's because <laughs> Sierra's a little trash gob. Yeah, I am. I'm a little greasy, <laughs> little greasy, little grease fat. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. But yeah, so can you say, um, 
you know, it made me feel really uh, hurt when you wouldn't spend time with me and my husband, even though we were trying to to make a helpful home for you, right? Or it made me feel really hurt when you left the house in such a state, a disarray. a disarray that we then had to spend money on it, right? It made me feel really hurt that um, you left without thanking us or like yeah. all of those things, right? That aren't necessarily... A crit- uh, not a like personal dis- attack on her and the way that right. she lives, but you you can say what belongs to you. Right, which is you, your feelings. You damaged my property, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I don't care how you live. You disrespect my property, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then wh- the thing on disrespect I want to close on is, again, how hard it is to feel like the world is unjust, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, that's what disrespect is. It's like, it makes us feel indignant. Right. It makes us feel like, oh, f- you know... Fuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> Fuck. You know. Isn't there someone that's going to like fix this? Yes, yeah. And 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 of course you don't I I don't I'm not saying I'm just talking this out D&D. Like I know you are an adult who knows these things, but I think the thing about these situations when we feel wronged, the the biggest feeling is like, "Oh my god, like this is so unfair." Mm-hmm. And that's what this situation is. It's unfair. It is. You're never going to feel a sense of justice from this. No. You're never going to feel um, I, I bet you all the money in my measly bank account that this friend of yours is never going to make you feel content Mm-mm. with this situation. You're not going to get closure from this friend. No, no matter if you send that letter or not. Mm-mm. Um, but, uh, it's hard to feel like somebody disrespected you because you always want there to be something that you can do to like balance the scales. Mm-hmm. But that's just not the way the world works, right. unfortunately. Well, you can, but it's not going to feel good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I know there's people out there that's like, oh, well, if somebody stabbed me, I would stab the fuck out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's not, it just, you know. Right. It doesn't solve the stab wound, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, involves yeah, yeah. them just two people being stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. We're so <laughs> articulate. Somebody should make a bro- embroidery like <laughs> of that. Yeah. Uh, we basically just said an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, but. Yeah, but like clunkier. With, yeah. <laughs> but like, and pretended it was our own idea. Lots it's of great. D&D themes in here. <laughs> Swords and Stabs. goblins. That's right. Yes. I want to be a trash orc. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. You can be the high priestess of cleanliness. Okay. <laughs> I'm into that. I, I love that you think that my, like everything is so clean. <laughs> like, well, you just shower more than I yeah, do. <laughs> right. Like my, my house is not really oh, no, that no. clean. I don't think you're like, I did vacuum for you when you came over. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying but like do you feel... my mother's voice in my head. is yeah. like, why aren't you vacuuming every day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you vacuum every day? No, I do not. Is so, your mother? She would make me vacuum every day okay. when I was home from school, which maybe was like to keep me from like during the summers, I would have to vacuum every day. Every single day. I mean, we had two sheepdogs that like shed oh, yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is before Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was our Kirby vacuum cleaner. Door to door salesman brought that, brought that over. Another one of my friends um, who listens to the podcast. So hi, Mary, how are you? Um, <laughs> her mother made her, her children run a mile every day. Over summer vacation. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. I know. But there's there were pros and cons to it. Like the pro was, um, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, well, my sister does it to my nephew to be like, go run around the block to like 
get some energy yeah, yeah. out. Well, she, oh, the pro she said was like now looking back as a as an adult, her mom had like four kids home from school all summer long <laughs> and then like gave her time to like have a cup of coffee by herself. Yeah, that's like you 12 know? minutes or whatever yeah, with and your kids. And it kind of instilled like a sense of activity in her mm-hmm. and you didn't have to run it, you just had to do it. Um but anyway, she said the con was that she hated it every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, D and D. I'm sorry this happened to you. I hope this brings a small glimmer of understanding or hope or mm-hmm. or I don't know acceptance to this. But mostly, Sam and I are just sorry that you that you your husband your property was disrespected. Absolutely, you didn't deserve this. Thanks for writing. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can 
run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, everyone, welcome back. Um, So this next letter comes from episode 58. The FBI has seen all angles of my naked body. Again, one of those titles where I'm like, I have no memory of us saying this whatsoever, Um, but definitely sounds like something that we would say. Um, And I picked this letter because it is the first time I think that I really talked about my experience with um, getting out of a really difficult relationship and um, moving into singledom and like what that meant for me. Um, And in this letter, I talk about the hashtag, hashtag forever alone, which was like a a really sort of negative thing that I was eventually able to turn into a positive thing. Um, And it was just a good reminder for me of, of the ways in which we have to be able to, to build ourselves up and to love ourselves and to, to find ways to provide things for ourselves that sort of decenter romantic love. Um, and I think especially in this time where we're all feeling like super isolated and super alone, um, it was it was an interesting thing to return to and to really think about um, the ways in which we are doing the best right now with what we have in front of us. And and really a lot of us are trying to be self-sufficient and, and do things on our own because it's, it's not safe to do things with other people. Um, and it made me really grateful for the time that I had to be able to um, move out of something that was really toxic for me and into something that I think has really served me well, even in my current relationship. And in this time where I think we're all a little bit tightly wound um, based on everything that has happened over the course of the past year, I think it was really good for me to to sort of hear this reminder of, you know, you are whole as you are. Um, you are able to take care of yourself and that relationship with other people is something beautiful, something that we should all be working towards and and comes um, as icing on the cake of of being in a great relationship with yourself. So again, this is episode 58. The FBI has seen all angles of my body. Um, and this letter comes from Nancy. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Nancy, who is writing from California. Nancy writes, I was in love with a really shitty guy. (laughs) Period. End of story. (laughs) Nancy. (laughs) Listen, we've got some advice for you. We were in an on and off and on again relationship for about two years, and I finally had the emotional strength to break it off for good. I was blinded by the love I had for him. I thought that he loved me too, but I guess I was totally wrong. I didn't realize how emotionally abusive he was to me, and it started... still hurts to think that he may not even acknowledge the fact that he's hurt me or that he thinks that he has done something wrong. He would always break up with me, but this time I broke up with him and he seemed so unbothered. His last response to me was just K. Like the letter K. Just the letter K. Yeah. All right, bro. Like (laughs) spare a girl vowel. Okay. This relationship has discouraged me and lowered my self-esteem. I genuinely feel as if I'm just better off alone and that there is no one out there for me. And quite frankly, I've been allowing myself to accept this. 
I was head over heels for this guy. And the fact that he didn't care and didn't validate my feelings is just something I don't ever want to experience again. I feel so disrespected and hurt. Oh, Nancy, thank you so much for writing. Yeah, Nancy, I'm so sorry that you are going through this. Um, Breakups suck. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have we literally fucking been like read a heartbreaking letter and then we've been like, yeah, bitch, totally awful. (laughs) (laughs) And then laugh because like, well, we have to laugh because... Because of the common threads that we read. Yep. Because um, a lot of times y'all know what you need to hear or what you need to do. You just want to hear it from us that like things hurt. The number one people, the number one thing I think people need in matters of the heart is to feel seen and understood. Because so often in these romantic conflicts, we don't feel understood by our partner. Mm -hmm. And so we keep going after that understanding. I want him to feel remorse. I want him to feel regret. I want him to love me. I want him to want me. I want Mm -hmm. him to know that he hurt me. I want him to hurt like I hurt. I want him to give a fuck. And we want and we want and we want all of these things that won't actually bring us real healing. Right. It'll just bring us like vindication and maybe some more confusion. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But Nancy, I actually picked this letter uh, and even though Sierra was like, there's no question on it, which is true. Okay, I just meant like linguistically, <laughs> way to fucking out me. Um, but I wanted to read read this letter because it felt like I just felt so kindred with it the first time I read it. And um, it's because when I was going through a very bad breakup with him. Cat Puddle H. That's right. Him. Um, one of my good friends... I was also going through like a really shitty breakup with his boyfriend that he had been with for a long time. I hated that guy. Um, and I hated them both. Right. And so we both sort of like made this vow that like we were just never going to be in relationships again. Oh my God. <laughs> it was Why like, were not we like closer at this time? <laughs> it was more like we just sort of came to this like. I thought you were going like... to be like that we were just worth more. And No, it was not that. Wow. It was just like a tacit agreement that like we weren't worth being in relationships anymore and relationships were too much work. Where the fuck was Just Break Up podcast? right? We had, so like anytime we were like, oh, went on a date, it was shitty, hashtag forever alone. Like we would say it to each other anytime we were talking about our relationships. Oh my God, Sam, this is literally (laughs) the perfect proof that Sam and I don't know what the fuck we are talking about. (laughs) And truly everything that we have shared on this podcast has been gleamed over 13 to 15 years of personal experience. For sure, yeah. Because fucking sometimes time is the only goddamn <laughs> head and heart work yep. ingredient that is really necessary. God, yeah, for that sure. depresses me also. <laughs> I know. So hashtag forever alone was a thing. Um, Nobody repeat that. I'm not making a t-shirt <laughs> out of that. I'm not endorsing that. A hundo percento, negative a hundo percento. Can you have negative percentages? No, that's not a real thing, is it? <laughs> Continue. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, Nancy, what I wanted to say to you was that, like, I totally understand where you're coming from in this. And and what really stood out to me about your letter was um, when you said, I feel as if I'm just better off being alone and that there is no one out there for me. And I think what happened when I was in that period of being really down on myself and being down on relationships, I was also in that, too. Like, um, I'm just better off being alone. Right. And what I think I came to realize through a lot of head and heart work is that 
I wasn't better off being alone, but there is the possibility that I could be alone for the rest of my life. It could be hashtag forever alone and that's okay. Yeah. How do I become a person who is so healthy, who is so whole, who is so at peace with myself that I don't need someone else to come along and complete me? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I feel you 100%, Nancy, in this moment of pain. You and I want what? you 100%. Um, no, no. 100%. <laughs> All right, cool. If you want to just like not be on the cool train. <laughs> um, I feel you. Like I really feel where you're coming from. But now this is an opportunity to say like, I may, I'm not better off alone, but I might be alone for the rest of my life. And it's okay to, if that happens. Oh my God. We are so depressing in this episode, <laughs> but I love it because what you're saying is I am better off alone. That statement turns into I am great yeah. as is. Exactly. Yep. Period. It's yep. not about being better off alone or it's not about being, you know, like, oh, I found my better half. You're not a half. You're a nope. whole person yep. right now. Yep. And right now you are worthy of anything you want in the world, mm-hmm. including a healthy partner, but also including like a fulfilling life, yep. like great pastimes, great, a, 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 a comfortable home, yep. you know, great books, delicious food. You are worthy of all that right now sure. as is. Yep. And you can have a fulfilling, wonderful, vibrant life with a partner or not. Absolutely. And what I realized over the course of that time alone was that was how much of myself I had sacrificed in that toxic relationship. Totally. And like what I had denied myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like the things that I had wanted and the things that I uh, had needed that I had said that's not as important as being in this toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so. That time of hashtag forever alone was real sad during many parts. And <laughs> like, I for sure was like right. that forever alone was not a fun hashtag for right. a while. Um, and there were periods throughout that where it, it wasn't a fun hashtag, but it did teach me so much about the fact that I uh, am worthy of things, even if I don't have a partner. I'm worthy of cooking myself dinner. Yes. I am worthy of having a nice bed. Mm-hmm. I am worthy of going out with friends, even if those friends are in couples. Mm-hmm. I am worthy of taking trips. I am worthy of, Crushing it, Sam. of of reading different books. I'm worthy of watching this entire TV show from season one all the way through season seven. In right? a week. <laughs> <laughs> um I think that's so important. <clears throat> and I, think- I, I totally did not think you were going to take it in this direction. <laughs> I love okay. it. I Well, this is your greatest strength. Yeah. You're, I, me being, us just having so many similarities, but 100% different DNA <laughs> romantically. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm over here like, of course you're worthy of love. You're worthy of other people. Mm-hmm. But your greatest strength in life and in this podcast is reminding people that it's not about love. Yeah. That comp- love does not complete you. Love does not make you worthy or worthwhile yep. or even happy, yep. right? Like, fuck, man, if love made you happy, we wouldn't have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But Forever Alone is not necessarily... Okay, fine, I'll make a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also just like... Love is something that I think many of us want, right? But love doesn't have to look like romantic love either, right? right? Like for a while, I called my cat my boyfriend and it was like funny, but it was also like, this is like, I 
having something to take care of is an innate, an innate need in me. Uh-huh. Like I like to take care of people. Right. And so I can do that with the cat. Right. And it's not sad. Right. It's not less than. It is me choosing what I have available to me and making the best of it. I'm and loving this. You're so when my cat dies, I'm going to be the saddest person in the world. I already have anxiety about that. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's just never going to die. Denial okay. is a healthy Nobody place Nobody tell him. No one. I'll deal with it. No one message him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to end a very difficult letter. Great. Because that is the ultimate form of acceptance and healing. Yep is recognizing that you don't need anything else. Yep. That you you have what you need right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Thanks, Nancy. We, we love, love you. you. All right, everyone. Welcome back once again to the present. Um, I love that letter. I'm super excited about the next one, too. Uh, this is from episode 106, Thomas the Trainwreck, um, from a very confused college student. Um Y'all know that I love to have conversations about queerness. Um, It is just one of the places that brings me so much joy. I'm so happy to be part of a community of queer people. Um, And I love being able to talk to people about their experiences in it and, and, you know, how they, how they figure themselves out in their own identity of, as a queer person. Um, And I think this letter is just so profound. Like this is one that has stuck with me um, because I, I just love the idea of reframing our thinking about our sexual past into something that sort of dethrones it as being, um, as sort of speaking to who we are as people. And, you know, like as a queer person, right? Like my sexuality is central to my identity, but that doesn't mean that the people that I've had sex with have to be central to my identity. And, and I love that's here and I get to, to talk about that in this letter, um, And, you know, I think that the feelings of regret and shame that we sometimes bring into our lives, like of who our sexual partners were, or even beyond that, even just like things that we um, have done that we regret or things that we have done that we wouldn't do now with a more full understanding of ourselves um, are just are fascinating conversations for us to have. So I love this letter. I'm so thankful for this very confused college student for writing because, um, I know that I found a lot of of camaraderie in it, and I think that's irritated too. So this again is from episode 106, Thomas the Trainwreck, and the letter is from a very confused college student. Our next letter comes from a very confused college student who is writing from <laughs> Washington. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I am 21 years old, and after six years of dating men, I have finally come to terms with the fact that I'm gay. This realization has come after a lot of reflection during quarantine, and I am so beyond a doubt sure of it that I don't think I've ever even been remotely attracted to men. The issue is that I was so convinced that I had to be straight that I never allowed myself to consider what I might not be, and as a result, I have slept with and or dated a lot of men. I think this was partially a subconscious attempt at proving my worth as a sexually attractive woman and partially a misplaced attempt at fulfilling my need for love and validation from a partner. In total, I have slept with 11 guys, most of whom I was casually dating or in a relationship that, with the exception of my high school boyfriend, would usually last no more than three months. 
This may not seem like that many, but it is more than most of my straight friends, and I can't help but hate myself knowing that I was uncomfortable in most of these situations. Time and time again, I would sleep with the guy sooner than I was comfortable with because it felt like I was expected to, and I didn't know how to assert my own boundaries. I found myself thinking that emotional intimacy takes time to develop and that eventually I would get comfortable with sleeping with the guy I was seeing. But while sex could sometimes be physically pleasurable, I always felt vaguely uncomfortable in a way that I wasn't quite able to articulate. On the flip side, let's just say that I had, I've had quite a few intense, quote, friendships with female friends, and I've never felt as safe or as comfortable with men as I have with them. I'm finally going to cut the BS and stop dating men, but I'm dealing with so much shame around the number of people I've slept with, knowing that I wasn't true, being true to myself or upholding my boundaries. I wish there were a way for me to feel empowered or somewhat positive about my past, but the truth is I wish I hadn't slept with any of them, and I don't really know what to do with that feeling. Sincerely, a very confused college student. Okay, my darling, very confused college student who's newly gay. First of all, welcome to the long, lifelong commitment of becoming yourself and mm. welcome to the hallowed ranks of the queers. <laughs> <laughs> We're way more fun than the straights. Just getting That's straight. Not true. That's not true. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to like just out the bat, straight out the gate sort of things. Um, that there, you say, I wish there was a way for me to feel more empowered or somewhat positive about my past. Let me tell you, you needed that past, no matter how, no, no matter how uncomfortable it makes you now, um, no matter like how much you felt like you betrayed yourself. Unfortunately, like you needed that past to get to where you are now. Period. I, I relate so deeply to this letter because I, I relate to intimacy in the same way. I relate to my sexual history in the same way where I feel like a lot of like, wow, was that really necessary? Sierra circa 1999. <laughs> no, just kidding. I was like 12 then. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, so I feel akin to you in, in a way, but the, the way to start looking at this in a self-empowering way is to switch the narrative in your head. Number mm. one, drop any shame about a number because the number of people you sleep with has literally nothing to do with the quality of the human you are. It's not shameful. There's nothing dirty about it. It's literally just choices that you made in your life that have to do with your genitals. <laughs> I don't think we would feel the same shame about like the number of cars I've ridden in or the number of couches I've slept on or the number of strangers I've spoken to. We mm. just feel this intense, deep level of shame about the number of people we slept with because, because for some reason, even though we're given no instruction manual other than like, don't have sex until marriage or else you're a sinful little baby. Um, sinful little baby. <laughs> uh, we are expected to be able to make great sexual choices for ourselves at all times without having any sexual experiences. Like how the fuck was I supposed to know what to do at 14, 15, 16 when I started to like make out with people that, how, how was I supposed to know that like I wouldn't enjoy any of that other than exploring <laughs> it, you know? That's um, real. And so just like drop number one, like cut the shame about the number. The number doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your friend's numbers are. It doesn't matter what a stranger's numbers is like that number does not matter. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It mm -hmm. literally doesn't matter because it has no, um, 
onus or power on who you are right now. And that goes for relationships too. I know some people feel insecure about how many people they slept with versus their partner or vice versa. Like maybe your partner has a way bigger number than you do, but everybody has a history. Everybody has a history. Everybody has a past and you cannot date someone without a history. That history might look different than yours, but that sexual number means nothing. And I just want to like, I, I I had this realization when I was 20 fucking eight, I was sitting in like a feminist class, honestly, we Uh were like studying like sex and pop culture. And I just, I like had this like ding light bulb pop over my head or like maybe my vulva. And it was like the number of people you sleep with has, has, it doesn't matter. Like they're not with you. (laughs) It, they're not with you anymore. I, I always felt this sense of like, I was dragging this like weird cloak of sexual <laughs> corpses around with me. <laughs> that's right. Because Every that's, time that's that you have told. sex with someone, yeah, you like have to they're carry their corpse with corpse. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, and, but then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, they're not there. And instantly my darling confused college student, they were gone. So the empowerment comes from telling yourself that this shit doesn't matter. That being said, I know, I know the deep angst that comes with like having sex and not liking it or having a sexual Mm. experience and sort of betraying yourself because you just do it because of you want to feel desired or you do it because of heteronormativity or you do it for whatever fucking reason. I know that angst and I know the self-loathing that comes with it. But similarly, the same healing or the the same self-empowerment comes from the same thread of telling yourself that those choices that I, I was doing the best that I could at that time, I was doing, I was making the best decisions I could for myself. And thank God, thank God, I know how to make a better decision for myself. Think like, like now isn't it great that I know myself no more now? Isn't it great that I'll never betray myself like that again? Spoiler alert, you will, because we all, it all, we're all becoming all the time. Right. And we, mm-hmm. and we figure out our boundaries by overstepping them really. Um, but it's great now that isn't it great and celebratory that you know yourself now and that you're not going to betray yourself again. I think that we often forget when we're trying when we're looking back on our past and we're trying to grow, we forget that, that we can make ourselves like a victim to our own, like understanding our mistakes. We, it makes us loathe ourselves more instead of saying, wow, look at all this growth that I'm doing. Look at all this Mm. understanding that I have now where, where the first thing we do is, is think hard, like think poorly of ourselves. The first thing we do is say like, God, I'm such an asshole. Like, why didn't I know better? Instead of being like, oh, cool. Like, I'm really growing and learning right now. Look Mm -hmm. at how far I've come. End rant. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I think that's great. And I think that piece around um, us not knowing anything about, not being taught anything healthy about sex and then being like... Would I know what to do? (laughs) Right? But then I also think about, you know, we live in a society where there's like compulsory heterosexuality, right? Like everyone is assumed at all times to be heterosexual unless otherwise stated. And so like, why would we ever think that there is a world out there for us that isn't heterosexuality unless we have been able to try it out in so many ways and realize it isn't for us. Right. Like I dated a girl all through high school. And when I didn't want to touch her boobs, I was like, maybe something's not right here. (laughs) How dare I? (laughs) 
you know, fake my way through my teen years um, while my frontal lobe was still developing. Right. Absolutely. And so I think um, I just want you to cut yourself a little slack, um, my college student friends, and say, um, this is what queer people go through to get Mm. to an understanding of their queerness. Like some of us. Go ahead. No, no. No, some of us are fortunate enough or whatever, not even fortunate enough. Some of us figure it out early on and some of us have to go through a number of things and be like, this doesn't feel right before we're ready for the thing. That's like, Oh yeah, this feels much more right. Oh, this feels right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say too, is that, um, I don't even, I think that it is important to say, um, this is a, this is a uniquely queer experience, but I, but and also this is a human experience right that we um again we're supposed to go through the through these romantic or physical entanglements and know what to do and then when we do something wrong like asking what the hell we're doing or trying to determine the relationship or or realizing that you don't like sex with men the first thing we do is think like, oh, why did I do that? Why am I so s- stupid for not knowing everything about myself in the first 16 years of living? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't yeah, even no. like fully understand electricity until like last year. So <laughs> I'm trying to cut myself some slack. <laughs> no, and I think that um, I also think that that like implies this, this idea of like a fixed point of who we are too. Exactly. Right? Like, like, oh, I am a a gay man who likes this type of sex, and therefore I should have known that I am a gay man who likes this type of sex. And also I have no ability to become anything besides a gay man who likes this type of sex, right? right. Like it implies this idea of like we we are working towards this goal of we are firmly placed and understanding of ourselves within a in a specific understanding of ourselves. Yeah. But what is but we are always constantly growing and learning, even though I have been having sex with people for whatever, 16 years or whatever, doesn't mean that I have like, doesn't mean that I have like come into my understanding of myself. Mm-hmm. It means that I am constantly just learning about my Becoming. body, my mm-hmm. relationship in with other people in my body. And that's great. So like the person that I was at 16 who was fumbling through sex for the first time is the same person I am now. I am still fumbling through sex all the time, right? Like we are still constantly learning and growing. And so like faulting my 16 year old self for not knowing what to do when he got the penis in his hand is like, yeah, sometimes even as a 32 year old, I'm a little confused. Like, what do I do with this now? I don't quite understand. Stick them with the pointy end. (laughs) Sorry, I've been rereading Game of Thrones. (laughs) So I want to like, I want you to say, I want you to not look at your past self with, with sort of derision. I want you to look at your present self and be like, wow, I still have so much more to learn and grow into. And that's so exciting because that is what it means to be human. That is what it means to walk through this world, trying to be in better relationship with myself and others. And that's all that we can ask for. Yeah. I want to add one more thing too, is that because I so deeply relate not only to this the content of this letter, but the language, um, like you use the word like betraying yourself, um, Mm. uh, and the, and the shame that you articulate about looking back on this, these past betrayals. I, I resonate so deeply with that. Um, and I want to, just as like your older queer cousin, I want to give you a little like nod or a heads up that like, 
that discomfort we feel when we look back on our past can only serve us for so far. Mm. Um, I do think that a certain amount of discomfort when we look back on our past can be a teacher. It can help us hold ourselves accountable to the person we want to be. But what I want to heed right now, or what I want to like prevent is that I don't want, for example, in the next couple of years, you could sleep with another man and you could, <gasps> what? I know. And you could enjoy it or you could find it equally or even more unpleasurable. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to get into a shame spiral about, oh, my God, I can't believe I betrayed myself again. It's okay to be like, wow, I don't think I wanted to do that. What lessons can I learn from this discomfort? But I I, I just want to say that, like, there has to be a healthy balance when we look back on our past and we're learning from it. There has to be a healthy balance of accountability and gentleness that like we're allowed to make mistakes, period. Mm -hmm. We don't get to a point in our life where we stop making them. And we don't get to a point in our life ever where we stop trying to figure this thing called life out or figure this thing of our body out. Right. And you know, some folks feel very firm in their sexuality. They feel as though they are either one or they're, it's a binary, you know, that they're wholly straight or they're wholly gay. And it sounds like right now you're like, I'm gay all the way on the Kinsey scale, you know. But I just want to say that, like, if that ever falters, that doesn't mean that you're betraying yourself. It just means that you're human having a human experience. Mm -hmm. um, and you can be wholly gay, 100 um, percent, and still sleep with men and still be disappointed by them. Let me tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I think that this feeling of like, wow, I was disappointed by sex, the sex that I had. And therefore, like that somehow speaks poorly of me is such a like weird sex negative patriarchy thing to say. Cause like if I eat a piece yeah. of cheesecake and I'm like, that cheesecake didn't really do it for me. I don't think, wow, I really fucked up there. I ordered the wrong cheesecake and like, I should have known better than that cheesecake. It's I like, will no, never betray myself. <laughs> I will never again. betray myself and order that cheesecake again. No, it's like you try Which to think, you know, you're going to order that cheesecake again. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm going to order that cheesecake. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, no, but it's like, so why do we hold ourselves to these weird standards when it comes to sex instead of saying like, wow, that's a good thing that I learned that I don't like that type of cheesecake. But, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll try it again and see how it goes. Instead, it's like, wow, I've done some sort of damage to myself because I had sex with someone and it was like mediocre. Like, It's like the first question that we answered today. It's like our brains are so hardwired to be like, if we get a response we didn't like or, or was the antithesis of what we were looking for, we did it wrong or we shouldn't have done it, right? Mm -hmm. Confused college student, you you might regret having sex with those guys, but like you did it. You did it. They were just a choice and you did it. And there's literally nothing wrong with those choices. Mm -mm. There's stuff you can learn from it and there's stuff that you can decide not to learn from it. Like it's just, I, yeah. it is what it is. Like, I don't want to like take away your sense of empowerment that you're feeling over this clarity, but mm -hmm. as somebody who regretted like all of the sex she had for like the first 10 years of her sexual <laughs> life, I realized at some point in my life, I have to stop regretting it. <laughs> at mm -hmm. some point in my life, I just have to be like, well, that was it. And it literally, <laughs> those, those sexual ghost, ghost corpses are not with me anymore because I'm choosing to say they're not with, like literally they don't impact my daily life they don't they don't impact my sex life now you know it 
those choices are going to feel less sharp and less hard to swallow as time goes on. And one day you're never going to think of them again. And when you do, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to feel confusing. You're going to look at them as though that they, they're just like a piece of dust on the wall. They're mm-hmm. nothing. Absolutely. I like or the idea that all whatever. of the men I've ever fucked are just pieces of dust on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a particularly poetic uh, episode. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, or it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I think I mm-hmm. think that's the other thing. Um, Absolutely. Okay. A very confused college student. Um, there is uh, a lot of empowerment that can be had with recognizing that your past has no power over your, your present and your future. Um, and w- Sam and I are really, really glad and happy for you that you know yourself now, today, the most you have ever known yourself. And that process will only continue. Thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for spending this time with me. It's always fun to look back at sort of the Just Break Up trajectory, all of the places that Sierra and I have been, all of the places that you all have been in partnership with us Um and it was just it's just great to be able to to take a pause and be able to look at all of the places that we've been and all of the things that we've learned. So thank you for joining me again on this journey. Um, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when uh, we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. Uh, this week, our blind date is a TV show on HBO Max called I May Destroy You. Um, heavy, heavy trigger warning. Uh, for the show about uh, sexual assault, because it is um, a story about a woman who um, who is raped, honestly, um, and sort of the the ways in which she and the people around her understand that and move through it. It brings up a lot of really interesting conversations about consent, about what is consent, what isn't consent. Um, it's amazing to see uh, a group of um, black actors being given an entire TV show um, and just doing amazing stuff with it. I would say that it's like a combination of girls, um, but just like much more nuanced, much more, um, much more interesting. It's so well written. It's so done, even well done, even though it is about this really, really heavy topic. It is also super funny, just super well acted, super well written. Every character in it is complicated, is nuanced, is lovable, and also is really frustrating. Um, and I can't, I cannot recommend the show enough. It was just so amazing. It's called I May Destroy You. It's on HBO Max. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Uh, remember that you can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs and send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com. Please don't forget to hit that follow button so that you will get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our entire back catalog of Patreon episodes, which at this point I believe is more than 100 Uh, This literally keeps the mics on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. 
Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you are whole even as you become. You were whole when you did those things that you might regret, when you learned those things that opened you up to a more deeper understanding of yourself. And you'll continue to be whole as you make mistakes, as you learn, as you grow, as you adapt, as you live. There is no person, no thing, no job, no experience out there that will complete you because you already are, as you are, complete. What others see of you, what they understand of you, what they feel about you doesn't diminish or enhance you because you are, in this and every moment, wholly you. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>